You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode. I'm joined by my good friend, Brian McGuckin. Brian, so good to have you join me on an episode. Yeah, it's good to be back on and good to talk to you and actually see your face here on a Zoom. I've been on so many Zooms with other people's faces. Yours is one of my happier ones to see. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm glad I'm glad we get along well. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So um we I, I'm really glad to have you come on and and like have a different vibe for, for a few episodes. I've kind of been doing a, some solo episodes and they've <laughs> because it's my nature. We've gotten really technical, so, so I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm trying to back away from that a little bit, but Adobe's not making it easy on us because because they just today, as we are recording this episode, re- released new updates for Lightroom and Photoshop. So here in early June 2020, we have Lightroom Classic version 9.3 and Photoshop version 21.2. And uh, I'm, of course, they both have a wait stat. Like they rec- they dropped it today. So as I'm as we we're recording, so we need some time with these. And and I won't give my photo taco self approval for the software yet. We need just more time to make sure there's no issues and and how it's going there with Photoshop version. I just barely last week changed it to a caution status there for the the previous version. So they they've been working on stuff. They've had some issues with Photoshop in particular. And uh, we'll have to see how the release goes. But I wanted to quickly go over and Brian, get kind of your reaction to a couple of new Lightroom features of uh, something that's in version 9.3. There's two primary features. There's there's more changes than this, but the two biggest things that have come, uh, I wanted to kind of get your reaction to see uh, what you think about these. So first off, do you use HSL saturation panels much in Lightroom? I much not necessarily much but do i use it at times yes when i'm when i'm playing with the sky a little bit but do i know exactly what i'm doing and how it impacts the photo other than what i see on the screen no okay all right fair enough so um i love those panels those are some of them i especially like landscapes but even with with people i'm i've been doing a ton of like outdoor portraits over the last couple of months and i want to emphasize like the reason they wanted us to put they want us to take the shot the the shoot in those locations was because those locations were important to them and and even though we're kind of blurring it out and it's mostly the person that you're going to see they wanted the background to show up and show up uh, in nice colors and i really love being able to use that panel for it and uh, although i i kind of tend to prefer starting off in the calibration panel which i bet a bunch of photographers don't even know about for adjusting colors Did, did you know brian that you can do anything with the calibration panel at the very bottom of lightroom uh, I did not, but I am looking forward to finding out. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not even going to go over it right now. But but what is new in version 9.3 was the, the HSL and saturation panel in Lightroom was one that was only global to your photo. You couldn't target any of the adjustments anywhere. It was the whole photo got the same treatment. And you didn't, you couldn't even use like adjustment brush. Well, anyway, now the change in 9.3 is they have added something to the adjustment brush, the radio filter and the straight filter so that you can do HSL 
kind of stuff. It's not the full HSL controls or saturation controls that you had before. It's really just kind of hue. You can change the hue that is there in colors, but it means now you can target that adjustment to a specific area. So if you wanted to change only the sky, you could do that or change like one flower, you could do that um, it, through any of those filters, the adjustment brush or the radial or, or uh, the gradient filter. So that works. Uh, that's really cool. I'm excited for that adjustment. I wish they'd add a little more because I want to be able to do even more. Like I like the whole HSL and saturation panel to be available in those local adjustments, but that's not there yet, but at least there's this. So what do you think, Brian? Is that, is that something that gets you going? You, you excited about that? <laughs> uh, excited would be an understatement. <laughs> no, I don't know that that gets me excited because okay. again, I don't understand um, all the details of it, but I... I am curious to learn more about it and look forward to you making more of a, a video on it to share about it. Because again, the only time I tend to use it is if I feel like, you know, the sky maybe is blown out. And right. if I'm, if it's a photo that has, for example, I just did a senior portraits the other day and it was a beautiful day, but uh, the sky was blown out a little bit. And so I went into there and played with it a little bit just to change the sky. But I haven't taken the time to go through and learn about the tools. Kind of like, I guess, most photographers, including myself, I haven't read my manual that comes with my camera. Right, right. So it's like I haven't taken the time to learn about all the aspects of Lightroom. I just go in and do what I know and what I know works and what I need to do, and then I keep moving. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the same. I think you are in the boat when most photographers are. They they don't go through all the panels and understand how to use all the tools there. I'm really trying to work on, on a Photoshop or a Lightroom training course to uh, to help people understand like when to use and how to use all of the different, uh, especially in the develop module, everything that's there. So maybe this summer I'll have more time to be able to do that. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, so that's the first one. The next one is a little harder to explain, but um, noise reduction. You have various kinds of ISO levels you shoot at where noise reduction is different, right? At, at 100 ISO, there's not much noise and you don't need any adjustment in, in a lot of cases, but very little if there is some. And then when you get up into the 6400 or higher kinds of ISO settings, you're going to need more adjustment for noise reduction. And previously, if you were wanting to apply or if you included in a Lightroom preset noise reduction at all, it was applied just everything. Like it didn't matter high ISO, what your ISO value was. It applied to everything. They now have the capability for uh, for photographers to be able to define in the presets adaptive noise reduction, meaning it will account for the, the ISO level about how the noise reduction is going to be set. How How is it going to work? How much of it? Um, what the the three sliders that are there to control noise reduction. And so you're going to start seeing some, some uh, presets created by photographers that may be kind of specific towards a camera because the cameras have different levels of noise at those various ISO levels. Um, but they, you may see that. I've already seen some photographers um, put out uh, presets that are for their cameras where they feel like the uh, noise reduction is set appropriately based on the ISO numbers. So I, I think it's kind of a cool thing and um, it would be a good thing for you to play with, especially because it could just 
change it for, I'm really thinking of someone like a, a wedding or an event photographer where you may have some photos from a shoot that were taken at ISO 100. You were outdoors and like ISO 100 was easy to get. And then later you're inside and there's very little light and you have to increase your ISO to get good exposures. And then when you're applying presets, um, you probably to this point didn't want to use the noise reduction pieces because it wasn't changing by ISO and now you can. So Brian, you've done a lot of, of weddings and event photography kinds of things. Is that something that sounds appealing to you? It does sound appealing to me, but honestly, not as much with weddings as more so with landscapes. Okay. I've never, I've just never noticed any issues with noise in any of my photos from the weddings I've done. Gotcha. Um, maybe I just, maybe it's just me, you know, getting old in my eyes. Getting bad. <laughs> um, or maybe I've just been lucky with my lighting that I've been working on. Yeah. Okay. So either way, whether it doesn't matter the, what you're shooting, if there are different noise reduction values that you'd like to have in presets based on ISO, you can do that now. So another cool feature. I like how Adobe is adding some of these features that are helpful to photographers. They're not like earth shattering. They're not revolutionary kinds of features, but it's good things. I'm, I'm glad to see them having it. And they, they've got other things that they've addressed. They've added, you know, some lenses to the support in camera raw. They've added uh, some bug fixes. And of course, um, performance improvements is, is pretty much always claimed every time they do it. So we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm not giving my photo taco silver approval on any of this yet. Although as soon as I, I wrote that in the Facebook group already, like, Hey, if you're, if you can't afford any bumps in the road with your photography business and you have to have Lightroom and Photoshop working well, don't do these yet. And everyone's loves to reply. I'm like, I already did. I already did. Like, okay. I mean, it's, it's up to you guys. You don't have to <laughs> wait. It's not guaranteed you'll have problems, but boy, have I also heard the sad stories on the other side of people who applied the updates before and didn't wait and regretted it. So well, Jeff, this makes me wonder about our conversation yesterday. Yeah. Like I have my auto updates on. So uh -huh. yesterday, my issue was basically I was trying to export an image out of Lightroom into Photoshop so that I could do some uh, touch-ups on it. And the coloring, like some color box window popped up saying that the color, and again, see, I don't remember it. It was my issue, but I know you will, um, popped up as some type of warning and then I just kind of like canceled it. And then the image was really flat. The colors were flat. And I'm like, what is wrong? And <laughs> I tried other images from other, day, other days and other shoots. And I was having the same problem. So I reached out to the Lightroom guru, uh, Mr. Jeff Harmon, and, and asked him, you know, what's going on? And you helped me fix it. Do you think any of that had to do with the fact that I had updated it? It could be, but I think the updates were released. Well, yeah, it could be. It could be that that's what happened. Because um, the media stuff and all the people posting, it probably came after they had released everything. So yeah, it, it's very possible that it's because Lightroom and Photoshop auto-updated for you and you ended up with a mismatched setting that wasn't going to work. So, and I, Yeah, and I've always edited that way for years and yeah, years. So yeah. All of a sudden, for it not to work kind of was freaking me out, but <laughs> I, knew that, I knew that you would rescue me. Do you need to, maybe I didn't explain it clearly. Do you need to take a second and share exactly what my problem was? Yeah, so, so your issue was you start off in Lightroom, you kind of did your, your basic edits that you wanted to do there, and then you were hitting Command-E on your Mac to edit in Photoshop, edit that image in Photoshop. Um, something... 
I do constantly too. Lots of photographers do all the time. And this time when you got into Photoshop, you were faced with a dialog box that was very technical and tough to understand uh, where it was warning you that the color space of the document in Photoshop. So whenever you bring an image into Photoshop, it's it's got a document that you're working with. Um, so it's a, a weird terminology because none of us think of documents in Photoshop, but that's what they call them. And that document has a color setting, a color space. And what this was telling you was that the color space in that document was set to sRGB and the image that you were bringing into the document was pro photo RGB. It was a much bigger color space, which is how you're used to having it be. And uh, there, the color settings in Photoshop, there's a, a place where you can set a policy about what it should do when this happens. And all we did was change it so that the policy was now to use the same color space as the photo when you bring it into Photoshop, the document will be set up automatically to match the color space so that it'll, it'll, it'll work. And um, that wasn't the settings that you had. So I don't know if those settings got changed by the update or if somehow you had those settings before and then because of the update, um, it now, I, I don't know exactly what, what happened there for that, but that's, that was the thing we fixed was just to change some color settings in the preferences of Photoshop so that the policy was to match the color space. So. And I can tell you, I am not smart enough to have changed those settings on my own. So it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could help you out. <laughs> that was good. And it, you know, it's those kinds of things. I love being able to help out people on the forums too, so they can kind of understand what does this mean? How do I fix it? So that's what it's there for. So, all right, those are the basics. I'm going to do more coverage on the software updates. I'm going to work on creating tutorials on the brand new features so that people can understand what they are and how to use them. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes too to my friend, Greg Benz. He's a Photoshop guru. He knows the technical details way better than I do even. He probably would do a better job of explaining that whole color space thing that I just went through. But he uh, he's already released a video on YouTube that shows how to use both of these features. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that so people can go check that out if they want to. He's a great resource for keeping up on on all this stuff. Uh, all right, let's 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 move on to the actual topic of this episode now. Uh, let's talk, Brian, about how photographers, how listeners might, some ideas they can have for how to keep them shooting this summer. Most of us have been like quarantined and bottled up for months now. And it's probably affected how much they're shooting, how much most of the listeners are shooting out there. Um, so if, and, and maybe there's still like a ton of concern about it, um, about how you can get out now and maybe do some more photography. So g- give me some thoughts that you have. Share with us some thoughts, Brian, you have on how photographers can get out and do a little shooting this summer. Yeah, I think one thing that I mentioned earlier was just trying to capture the change that was taking place. Uh, I, I'm personally trying to work on my video skills a little bit too. So during this quarantine time, I went around my city and kind of shot both videos and fo- um, photos of just the emptiness in places that are normally really busy. For example, we have something called the Monon Trail, which used to be an old train trail, but now it's a huge like walking and biking path that connects you to all the restaurants and places and that was closed down 
even during the quarantine, a lot of people were still trying to get together and they were just hanging out there. So the city had to put up ropes and everything around it to try to close it down. So I was trying to capture that. I was trying to capture the the signs that were up, um, the lack of people and vehicles on the street, just to kind of show the ghost town in a way that it is. Now that things are changing and things that are, are starting to open up a little bit more, the city has asked, um, basically their concern is people aren't going to be going out as much, obviously, you know, spending money. Some people aren't comfortable with uh, going to parks or restaurants and just the crowdedness of it all. Uh, I'm fortunate to where I've done a little bit of work in the past with my local city and, and my county. And so the travel, um, the travel a visit visit Carmel kind of uh, industry reached out to me and asked if I would go around to restaurants, a couple of restaurants, and capture what they call now the new normal. They basically want to be able to show, hey, look, it's safe to go ahead and go out. You know, here's what the r- restaurants are doing, uh, showing how the tables are six feet apart from each other, showing how the waiters and waitresses, the servers have masks on, and many of them also wearing gloves, just to kind of help ease the concern of some people. Now, it's not trying to trick them, you know, into saying, hey, everyone, you know, look, it's perfect, get out. <laughs> right. Uh, I've actually, when I first went out, I'm like, okay, this is going to be great. I'm going to be helping my community. And then I went to that Monon Trail, and, and there's like a, a brewery there and all, and a yard space that they had just finished this past year. And it's beautiful. And there's an outdoor big TV that was put up and it was packed. I'm like, okay, there is not social distancing happening here. (laughs) You know, it was a beautiful day. They had just reopened the path. And so everybody decided to come out. So I still captured it, you know, and I, and I gave it to the, the people that hired me because it still shows, Hey, you know, here's what it looks like. And now is that going to help people be at ease? Not necessarily once to see those photos, but the restaurants around here did a really good job. So shooting the restaurants was kind of one aspect of it. Have you guys gone out to eat at all or, or what are things like? Yeah. Yeah. So my local area here, um, they, they have encouraged it. It only opened about, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago or so for dining like you, so it wasn't, nobody was allowed, the restaurants were not allowed to have people in the dining rooms. They, and some of them had to adapt because they really, they didn't have drive throughs They only had dining rooms. And so they had to like put up signs in the parking lot of like, hey, park here and then text us and we'll bring your order out and some stuff like that. It was, it was tough. And, and business went down significantly. So our local government here for my city and, and actually through the state, they asked that everyone go do drive through at least once or twice a week just to keep these businesses afloat and make sure that they, they didn't die. And, um, and so I, th- I think a lot of people have done that. They've supported it, but now a couple of weeks back dining in was opened up they, they encouraged masks when you're not eating and social distancing and in the tables and, and the restaurants have done a pretty good job of, 
of separating that out and and doing and setting things up so that it it facilitates it. Uh, the lines they've got like markers about like you know here's six feet <laughs> so that you know <laughs> how to stay six feet apart and stuff like that. They've done a, a pretty good job with with all of that. So it's it's done well, but it definitely has had an impact on the business. And and I'm, I know people have it, it's really changed uh, changed a lot of things for these restaurants. They've struggled with it. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully. You know, hopefully those small mom and pop shops are right. able to hang in there and and get going again. So it's a great idea to get these photos to help convey, like, hey, they're doing a good job of providing an environment that is that's as safe as we know how to make it during this pandemic. How you said they reached out to you? What was the method? Like, I, I know you've had a relationship with them, but are they calling you on the phone? Are they texting? What What are they doing to get a hold of you? A uh, good question. Uh, email. Okay. <laughs> they just they sent me an email, uh, just saying, "Hey, here's what we're looking at. You know, we're a little bit concerned about this and that, and we're hoping to try to ease people a little bit." And so there were a handful of different things they needed captured. Uh, you know, c- they had a couple of specific restaurant areas, and um, I connected ahead of time with the manager just to let them know I'd be coming in, and here's what I would be uh, doing. Gotcha. And then there's a park. Uh, we have a huge youth sports facility in my county, and that's just reopening up. Uh, they they do soccer, they do um, softball tournaments. It's just it's it's huge, and so that's one of the places that they want me to go to to kind of show the lines for how kids are signing up for things. Um, and obviously, you know, it's the whole like avoid faces, you know, of, of kids not to capture that, you know, in the images for privacy sakes, but just showing kind of how things are lined up, how things are spaced out. I know uh, across the street from me, one of the soccer coaches from this facility lives there and he said that they've got their kids, they each have their own box about six feet apart from each other. <laughs> right. And so they can still practice their drills and they can still pass to each other. So I'll have to try to capture that as well. Um, and then that path I was talking about, they wanted me to get pictures, kind of just showing, hey, people are back out. It's okay to come back out and to try to show how people are kind of staying away from each other. You know, they have hand sanitizers up all over the place now. Uh, like you said, at the restaurants, they have the markings for the six feet away. And right. um, even on the way here, I stopped at Jimmy John's before uh, our podcast before recording this and it was open again and there were people in there and I haven't seen that in a while. You know, it's, it's just weird that it's weird that this is weird. It is. I know. I know. Like, I walked into Jimmy John's. <laughs> I saw somebody sitting at a table and I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. is. It is. And it's affecting everybody and, and photographers included. I think it's really made a whole lot of photographers just be so isolated and, and not get out to shoot, not, not doing any shooting really. And I, you know, we've tried on the podcast here to, to give some ideas about even under quarantine and what you can do in your house and some techniques you might be able to practice on. We've, we've talked a little bit about some of those kinds of suggestions and, uh, and I, I hope that everyone will, you know, try to think hard about how stay safe. That's number one off. Obviously that's going to be the biggest uh, factor, the biggest thing to, to pay attention to. But um, yeah, getting out a little bit and and working on this and and getting back to shooting, we need it. We need everyone to be able to continue producing the content that that we're used to seeing. 
back to so I want to go back again to like how you established this relationship. You you do such a good job <laughs> establishing relationships with um with the people who are looking for content. Um as you've been working with them, do you have kind of a a standard like pricing model or are they paying you for the the time or per image or how, how have you set that up good question again uh wow i've been working with them for years and i'm trying to think you know it's a lot of times it's they need to show different events and i live on the north side of indianapolis in hamilton county my city is called carmel and it's a big um area of trying to bring people in and host, you know, big events and car shows and, and, to just constantly having things. Uh, we have like a porch festival. That's, that's huge. And so they had reached out saying that they needed photos from a, an, a, of one of the events to kind of just highlight it. And I usually tell them like an hourly rate saying, you know, it'd be this much such as like, uh, Usually I'll say like $300 an hour okay. and it will include all the images and all the final edited images. And I assume it will take, you know, about so many hours. Um, this time they, when they did reach out, they said, as you know, you know, the tourism ministry has been hit pretty hard. So I don't know, you know, what our budget is, if it's going right. to work for you. Right. So for me, you know, I'm fortunate that, I'm a full-time teacher as well. So I still have, you know, a normal paycheck for that job and photography kind of helps fill in the gaps. And since I haven't had a lot, uh, you know, I haven't lost out on too many jobs. I'm missing the Indy 500, right. which is usually huge for right. me, thousands of dollars that I'm going to lose for that. But other than that, I haven't been missing out on too much to where when they reached out to me and they said that, I'm like, okay, I want to be shooting. I want a reason to get out but I still need to make some money. <laughs> right. so I said, you know, I, I imagine I could do it for $150 an hour. You know, it, it's events. It's, I go to the restaurant on my own schedule. Right. I set it up. It's very laid back. So there's no pressure, you know, it's not people. And if for some reason, if something messed up, I could reschedule it or do another day. So I'm like, I'm happy with $150 an hour. That's something easy for me. And you know, they, they had enough shoots lined up to where, over time, it would be a decent chunk of money. And I live right downtown. I live right by all of this. Uh -huh. So it's a matter of, hey, we're going to go out as a family. I'm going to bring my camera with me nice. know, to capture it. Yeah, And great. I always try to go above and beyond with things. And I, I tell every client, you know, if, if there's anything else you think that we need that we didn't capture, let me know. I'll be happy to do this again. You know, if it's a, right. a, a senior, then I'll say, hey, we can come back and we can do more if we missed anything. Uh, I usually try to, what is it under, under something and over something. Under What's that saying? <laughs> under promise over deliver. There you go. Yeah. So that, that's what I try to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Perfect. That That's great. Okay. So, so that, that makes a lot of sense about how you negotiate. So they've, they've been used to the rates and then of course they knew going into it, like, oh, this isn't, do they have other photographers that they're, they're doing the same thing with? Do you know? There, there used to be one that they used a lot, and then I moved to the area, and they used both of us for for a while, and then he moved out, and oh, so okay. they've used me a lot, and I've built a relationship. And once you have a relationship with people, you know, 
for them to cancel that, they're kind of canceling the relationship. Yeah, right. And and again, I've they've always been really pleased with the images. Right. And I've I've always said, you know, if this is not what you're looking for, let me know and we'll get it. You know, right, right. I don't care how long it takes. I want you to be happy with the work you're getting. Right. Uh, that's that's a great approach. I love it. That's that's really good. Uh, okay, so yeah, that that's an awesome thing to do. You you don't remember how you initially created the real? It's been a while. So, <laughs> like, if a photographer is listening to this episode and they're thinking, "Oh, I'd I'd love to have a relationship with the local tourist department of my city or or county or whatever it is and shoot for them," how would you suggest they go about establishing that relationship? I think we talked about something like this many years ago where uh, I'm a big believer in your community and helping out your community. So if I were just starting out, I would go to the local stores, the local restaurants and everything um, and, you know, offer to do, uh, you know, tell them you just want to do a couple of free shots, you know, pictures of them, like whether they're headshots or shots in their environment. And tell them, you know, you can have all the images. There's, you know, it will take half hour, if that. And just snapping a handful of shots from multiple stores or businesses. And then you have like a portfolio of, what, 20 stores, whatever they may be, whether it's a restaurant, ice cream shop, or whether they sell knickknacks. Mm-hmm. And then you can take that to your visitors bureau or whatever and say hey i've been you know doing this project along the way and i have all these images you know if there if you have any interest in them uh you know i'd be happy to share these with you for free and you give them a link that shows those images as well as maybe some of your highlights or your better shots and now they're exposed to that and like oh look at what this photographer has been doing you know for me i'm literally down the street i'm three blocks from from their headquarters, from their office. Uh-huh. And so I've told them that, you know, I've gone there and I've met them and even stood there talking. And I said, yeah, well, my house is right there. And I pointed <laughs> out the window and I said, you know, if you ever need something, let me know. I live nearby. It's easy for me. And I just think that's one way because then you're giving those, those small stores or whatever they may be, um, something of value for free, you know, quick little headshots. You're getting your name out and, you know, it may lead to more business. You can say, hey, if you ever want me to come back and get some pictures of you, you know, doing the tattoos or of your, your shop or of your, you know, the food on your plates, let me know. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many restaurants, their online, like Facebook or their images of food are just horrible. Right. You know, I'm like, I wouldn't want to eat that. I could do better than that. So you go to the restaurant, order your own food, take some pictures of it, contact you know the manager later and say, "Hey, here are some images of my food. They're free. You're welcome to use them however <laughs> you want. I you know I think they might help your your website. And if you're interested in doing anything else, let me know. I'd be happy to help. And then you trade them, you know, food for photos. I've right. done a lot of jobs like that where I've right. gotten free food. I got to eat the food for free that I captured for them. Nice. Uh, at my level, and after doing it for years, I also got paid a little bit too, so that helps. <laughs> but that's perfect. I, like food. I do like food, so that's just one way off the top of my head that I would say, you know, you could get involved. Yeah, I like it. Okay, I, I think we talked about that idea enough now. So let's move on to what other ideas you have for 
getting out and shooting. Maybe if uh, if the local community isn't their thing, <laughs> photographers aren't very interested in in that kind of shooting. What else? What other suggestions do you have? I, I think people, especially photographers, probably all want to get out and want to be around other photographers. So I would say try to find a a photo group in your community. Um, if you can't find one, then create one. Yeah. This past week, uh, there's an Indianapolis photography group that's been around for, I think, like uh, at least 30 years. They've been around for a long time. And they asked me to come on and be the guest uh, judge of their photos. Nice. And so they sent me ahead of time in Google Drive, like there were there was a category for black and white and a category for color, and the topic was shapes. And they just wanted me to, we did it over Zoom and just gave uh, feedback. But what I love was the relationship that all those people have together. They've gone on a lot of shoots together. I saw some of the images look similar. It was like the same object, but by uh -huh. different photographers. I'm like, oh, they must have been there together as a group. Right. And you know, you can social distance with a group of photographers and still talk and learn from each other and you know, go to a park together, especially we've got 4th of July coming up soon. I don't know. I know some places canceled right. uh, fireworks. We just got an email today saying there's going to be three sets of fireworks where they've divided them up over our city. Like one's on the east side, one's on the west side, and one's in the middle. Uh, you know, so thinking ahead of how to capture the fireworks in your area. But um, just finding a group to go out with and connect with, I think it's helpful because then you continue to learn off of each other and and it's an easy way to just kind of stay home and feel safe, you know, stay home meaning like you're not flying or traveling anywhere. Yeah, right. You might just feel more comfortable that way. You know, the other big benefit I think com can come out of that photography group is uh, photographers have the things they like to, to do and are probably con uh, given opportunities or opportunities present themselves that they don't want to do. Like I'm a landscape photographer. I don't want to do the wedding or whatever it is the the they're not they're asked about doing a particular shoot that that isn't their forte or that's something they'd like now they will know a group of people where they could be like well but i know this other photographer <laughs> who does who does weddings and and they do a great job and i can recommend them and whatever it is establishing those kinds of relationships or maybe there's like an event date that that is the type of photography you do but you're booked that day or you already or you have a conflict or whatever and you can't you can't uh, shoot the event that day. Now you have this network of photographers that could refer to each other and, and be able to, to send that work to, to someone who can do it. So I am not somebody, this is connected. I'm not just going down some You're fine, you're fine, trail. I am not someone who fully feels excited about walking into a stranger's house where there's a bunch of other people that I don't know. Like if I don't know anybody there at all, that's not my comfort level, um, which may be surprising. <laughs> but the way my business first started 14 years ago, I was in California with a photographer that is very successful um, and, and well-known by a lot of other photographers for some of the stuff he's created. And... He had, he had traveled and done a bunch of different type of workshops. And so I was just picking his brain and we were talking about weddings. And But he's like, well, you need to get together with a group of photographers. I'm like, well, I don't know any. 
And he's like, oh, well, there's this one guy, so-and-so, you know, who's in Indianapolis. Why don't you connect with him? And I said, okay. You know, I didn't really want to because I'm like, I don't know these people. I'm not as comfortable with that. Right. But so I sent him an email and it just happened to be around Christmas time. So there was a Christmas gathering of the photographers. So I took a risk and walked into this house. There's 20 photographers there. And and I have never, I had never shot, yeah, I had never shot a wedding or done anything at this time and was just, you know, learning how to use a camera somewhat. And I saw somebody that I recognize and she came up to me and she's like, oh, you're so-and-so's husband, right? I'm like, yeah, well, Rebecca, that's my wife. So, yeah. so-and-so, okay. <laughs> you're Rebecca's husband, right? I'm like, yeah, I am. And she's like, I'm so-and-so. And I'm like, oh yeah, I, we've met before. Nice to meet you. And I told her, you know, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get in photography and I've never done any weddings or anything like that, you know, but I would like to. And she's like, oh, really? I'm totally booked out for this year. So I'll be happy to send you anyone who, you know, reaches out to me. Nice. I'm like, really? That'd be great. And I walked away thinking, okay, you're just being nice. You know, it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. <laughs> Within a month or two, I had three weddings booked from her because she sent me somebody who, you know, she was booked. So she just forwarded them on to me. And I booked three weddings within like two months of that event. And so that was extremely helpful for, for me. And then that began, began the domino effect of one wedding, then another and another and another, because you shoot like a bridesmaid and then another bridesmaid and so forth. Right. So, you know, I, there's a lot of value in the photography groups, not just to improve your skills, but that relationship and those connections are huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Love Are you involved in any in your area? Uh, I have been a little bit. Um, I'm busy enough with my kids and everything. I just have, don't have time to go to the meetings that they have, which is is too bad. I really would love to get more involved with the the local photography groups here. But I've done like I I did a contest judging once uh, or twice. And that was it was fun. It was a good experience to have. Uh, oh, I hate those. <laughs> I do because I. Because, uh, so the other day, sorry to cut you off, but now You're good. I, you got my blood pumping. <laughs> so for this one that I had to do the other day, I had to tell them, and, and I tell everybody this when I review their images, listen, my opinion does not matter. Right. Okay. It doesn't matter at all what I have to say. I'm going to tell you what I think about the image. I may like it. I may not at all. But what matters is, is the image important to you? Are you happy with it? Now, I can give you some advice on, you know, there are certain tips and tricks and things that should be in a photo, or I might question, why do you have this in the image? You know, because if, if something's in the image and you don't know why it's there, you shouldn't have it there, you know, but I often feel like I just have to constantly say over and over this, you know, I'm sure this is a nice image. I'm sure you knew what you were thinking when you took it. I, I don't know anything about it other than what I'm seeing. And it just makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I still enjoyed it. I still had fun. Uh, some of it was because I got to hear 
about the creation of a bunch of images and the photographers would help us understand like how it came to be. And I loved hearing those stories. It was fun to, and then, and just being around a bunch of photographers when I got asked to be the judge, like, well, I've got to tr- make room for this, this event now. Cause I, <laughs> I said I would do it. So right. it made me go and be there and be with the photographers. And I always love that whenever I get together with a bunch of photographers, I really, really enjoy the experience. I, I could see where there might be this, uh, uneasiness from some photographers who maybe haven't done that about like, well, I'm just not good enough as a photographer to, I won't be adding any value and everyone's going to judge my images as being not good enough and be, be scared to go and attend something like that. But I, I think for the most part, I mean, you may find a group here or there that does treat people that way, <laughs> but if they are, then you know, and you, and you can stop going. But, um, but most probably won't most, uh, every group I've ever been around of photographers, they're helpful. They want to help each other. They're, they're nice to each other and, and they do a good job. And I've, I learn something every time too. I, I know, I don't know everything about photography. So it's, it's helpful to have other perspectives and have other people, you know, share how they approach an image. But there is always going to be one person that does know everything and they are the best photographer (laughs) and they're so expensive because they're so good and they will let you know that. (laughs) That's true. There there is. There is. Every group has one. (laughs) If you can just, yeah, if you can just accept that going in that somebody feels that way about themselves, you know, then it's easier to be like, okay, good for you. Yeah. And then you can just like, you know, kind of avoid that one, that, that guy in the group. Yeah. Yeah, avoid that one. But there is there is so much value in that. So, you know, this summer, I think a lot of people are canceling trips or their kids are going to be around a lot more. And so, you know, finding some other photographers to meet up with, I think is a good way. You know, go out to coffee, support your local coffee shop down the street and just hang out with photographers. And if you're not comfortable being in a big group, reach out to some of the photographers. Right, right. Most photographers, no matter how you know big they are or even how busy they are, if you send them an email saying, hey, here's who I am, you know, be flattering. I mean, obviously, if you want to get together with that photographer, you admire something about them. So let them know that and say, hey, I would love to treat you to coffee. Right. You know, and it's a $5 investment that could lead to something huge, whether it's more clients, whether it's second shooting for them, or whether it's, you know, learning how to use off-camera flash. There's just so much value in that. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we have just a few minutes left and then my day job's calling, so I have to go. But <laughs> but um, I want to get the one more one more idea that was out there. You, you had in the show notes, Brian, giving your kids an assignment in photography. Yeah, so uh, I know a lot of people, their flights are canceled, trips are canceled. So a lot of people are doing road trips, which is awesome. You know, the sales of RVs have just <laughs> shot through the roof. Like they're, they're on back order pretty right. much because because people are wanting them, at least in my community they are. Um, And so a lot of people are going on road trips. My family is, we're excited. Uh, We are going to load up our vehicle and we're gonna drive to St. Simon Island, it's off of Georgia. So it's a good 12 hour road trip for us. And you know, I'm gonna bring my camera and take some photos uh, to kind of just capture you know, this road trip. Part of why it's important to us also is my daughter graduated from high school and she's basically leaving the house here pretty soon. And so it's kind of our last trip together as a family. So I want to capture that. But my kids also love pictures. And so I, I think, you know, with 
the iPhones or iPads, no matter what, having your kid kind of capture the trip as well, uh, just from their perspective, you'll be blown away with like how kids see things. You know, I do a lot of work with the Viewfinder Project, which is a nonprofit organization where we have a free uh, curriculum of 16 different lessons. And you can go to viewfinderproject.org and you can download it for free. And there are lessons on like helping kids to see life differently, like using leading lines or, um, you know, doing something with contrast or shadows. And if you're doing a road trip with your kids, you can talk about that stuff and have them try to capture it on their own. And then when you get back from the trip, you know, help them uh, print off, you know, a cheap little album. There's all these apps where you can get like a $5 album, you know, for, for or even free sometimes other than shipping. And it's just a great way, I think, for you to enjoy that time together with your family. And, you know, kids, they're going to be sitting there snapping selfies of themselves anyway. Or, <laughs> you know, look at them and they're making goofy faces. They're Snapchatting. So, right, right. You know, getting them to try to capture... Um, capture photography and learn a little bit about, you know, our passion, our passion as photographers, I think is something else that is a good thing to try to do this summer as a way to, to enjoy that time as a family. And so you could, like you've done, you, you can give them sort of an assignment or, or ask them to, to look for opportunities to, to take some pictures, especially something that means to, something to them on the trip and not just the silly selfies that they're <laughs> going to have on social media. Uh, another option or, and, and something that I've, I've had a whole bunch of parents contact me now. Um, they'd like to have their kids just get into it as like, I need something that the, for these kids to do <laughs> during the summer now. And, uh, and so I'm going to kick off a, a nine week training course on just total basics about how to use a camera. And, uh, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that too. We're going to, we have a few kids. Some of them are, are super interested in just themselves. And some of them are, <laughs> the parents are saying you need something to do. So here you go. You're going to go do this. <laughs> so we'll are see you, how it goes. Are you charging for that or is it free? No, we, we, yeah, I am. I am charging for it. Yep. So it's a $200 for the nine week course. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So if if there's anyone who's in the Harriman, Utah area <laughs> wants to have their kids involved, you know, drop me a line and I'll I'll let, let you know all about it. Okay. And if and if anyone, you know, plug a cheap plug again for that, it's uh, the, for the viewfinderproject.com or .org. Uh in the bottom left it has the curriculum and you can download it. It's 16 different lessons. Uh, I've taught it. I actually do it in my after school program here at my school where I teach. I've presented about it and you can just take, you know, whatever you want from it and give your kids different ideas. Cool. That's very cool. All right. Thanks so much for helping me with this episode, Brian. I, I, I think people are going to like it. I hope the photographers are going to enjoy it. <laughs> It'll be good. Hopefully it wasn't too random. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, I, I like it. I'm sure a, pe a lot of people are probably very welcome for the break from technical. <laughs> they've, had, <laughs> they've had a big dose of Jeff lately, and that's it's <laughs> been a lot. Uh, okay. Doodads of the week. I'm going to make a very technical <laughs> doodad of the week, but it's a BenQ monitor. I'm not going to detail all of the specs on it. Just go to the show notes so you can see it. It's about 300 bucks, and it's really good. It's like a, a pretty good price to performance kind of thing. It's definitely not the very best quality monitor you can get for sure. There's, there's a reason monitors can be so much more expensive than that, but it's a, it's a very good one for the price, especially. And monitors are kind of, I think with all the, the quarantine work from home stuff, people have been going crazy buying monitors. So a bunch of them are out of stock 
And this one, at least today, as I'm looking on Amazon, is, is available. So it's a good one that you should look at if you're in need of a good monitor for photo editing. Brian, what is your do that of the week? Nice. I'm finishing up my office, and one thing I need is a monitor, so I'm going to check that out for sure. There you go. Okay. My doodad is, uh, it's on Kickstarter, and I have been fortunate enough to receive a copy of it from Think Tank. It's their freeway long-haul carry-all duffel. It was perfect timing with scheduling my road trip. And what it is, is it is like one of their first bags that's not specific for photography, but there's two different sizes. And, you know, I've got four kids, a, a daughter and three boys, and we have every type of ball possible. <laughs> right. anything, anything with a wheel, we have it. Um, we've just got tons of stuff, you know, multiple water bottles and anything for beaches or parks and everything. And this is just a huge bag with tons of awesome pockets that you can just shove everything in and just keep it all in nice and organized. So this is going to go in our trunk. Uh, I'll be sharing more about it after my trip, but right now it is out. Um, and, and you can get on there's I have the link here. It's on Kickstarter right now for like five more days. So you can get there and check it out. It's a really cool bag. And one of my favorite features is how it zips up on the top to kind of keep the sand out of everything. So yeah, nice. check that out. That's my doodad. Very good. I like it. Nice idea. Okay. We want to remind everyone masterphotographypodcast.com is where you're going to find everything about the show, including the show notes. We have our Facebook group. That's Master Photography Podcast. If you go search for it in Facebook or there's a link in the show notes, you do have to ask to join and name a host on the show to get in. So Jeff will work and Brian will work. Uh, you can contact me or you see my work over at jsharmanphotos.com. You can get my other podcast, phototacopodcast.com. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And all those links are in the show notes. Brian, where can people find you? Uh, for the most part, uh, Instagram and Twitter is at Brian McGuckin. Um, Facebook is Brian McGuckin Photography, or just go to BrianMcGuckin.com, and that's my website. Excellent. All right. Thanks, everyone, so much for listening. Stay safe out there and uh, make some plans to get out and shoot. We'll see you again in another seven days. <laughs> <laughs>